Hello, everyone, and welcome to Job Board Geek. It's the podcast about the business of connecting candidates and employers. I'm Jeff Dickey Chasens. I'm your host, the Job Board Doctor. And today I'm here with the co-host, Stephen Rothberg of College Recruiter. Hey, Stephen, how's it going? It is going really well. I'm in uh, New Mexico this week and uh, looking out the window, seeing mountains and, and a lake. It's uh, it's not a hard life. Just rub it in, Stephen. Just rub it in, okay? Um, <laughs> today we have a, a great guest, uh, uh, someone I've known for quite a while and someone that everyone in the industry knows, Lee Biggins of CV Library. He has lots of interesting things that I think he, he's going to tell us about. But first, I wanted to uh, start out on something that I got from the AIM Group. And if you don't know about the AIM Group, you should check them out. They do great research on the recruitment industry. And they wrote up an article about Craigslist. They've actually documented, based on a bunch of analysis, how much Craigslist has been earning over the last several years. And back in 2018, they actually, Craigslist actually went over a billion dollars in revenue. And then they had a huge drop off over the last three or four years. Well, surprise, Craigslist is up last year, 30% in the job posting listings, which is not a surprise to me since everyone was up last year. But I think it's interesting. It made me think about the role that Craigslist has played in the job industry. Everyone kind of competes with them because they're out there, but in a way, no one really competes with them because they are so much cheaper than anyone else. They don't have any kind of focus. They're everywhere. In the industry, we call Craigslist a horizontal Another example of a horizontal would be an OLX. Another example would be Facebook Marketplace. And then, you know, traditional job sites like CV Library, like, like College Recruiter, or what we call verticals, where they're 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 focusing specifically on jobs. What I've been thinking about a lot lately is it seemed like there was a huge spurt in activity on horizontals in the job industry before the pandemic, and now things seem to have flattened out. Some some of the horizontals have pulled out of the job business. I just. You know, I, I really don't have an answer. I just kind of speculate about what the horizontals are going to do and are they any sort of threat to the verticals or is this just Jeff staying awake late at night for no particular reason? You tell me, Stephen, what do you think? Well, first of all, I got a chuckle out of you saying like no focus and that they're then they're all over the place. It kind of sounds like what my wife says to me when she's asking me to get some stuff done around the house. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, um, you know, the, the AIM group, I subscribe to um, a newsletter that they have sort of for the recruitment vertical. And they also have automotive and, and mm -hmm. retail. And it is without a doubt, the, the best analysis, the best research of, of anything out there. And what I really love about it is how global it is, because right. they're going to have stories on UK job boards, and they'll have stories on Swiss automotive sites. And, and you can really, really learn a lot by looking at what's working and what's not working in other verticals and other industries. And Craigslist is no exception to that. Is a horizontal working well? Is it not working well? And I do think the consensus of opinion was it's not a good place for recruitment ad dollars. And that, that's not a that's not going to be a thriving business. And people would just point to Craigslist being down by you know almost half. Turns out that during a pandemic, classified advertising takes a hit. What a shock. Right. Uh, I, you know, it's, 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 it's a Craigslist is, is one of those anomalies where it works because it works. Anybody that that I hear that says, "Oh, you know, we're building our our user experience, so it's just like Craigslist." Um, I know I can have a look at my watch and <laughs> and figure that they're going to be out of business in about three hours because it it works for Craigslist, but it's never worked for anybody else. I question the viability, the long term, years from now, 
of, of horizontals in recruitment advertising, because I just think that over time, the, the Googles and the Bings of the world are going to be more and more prominent places for people to find that information. You're not going to have to go to a, a newspaper to find recruitment advertising. It's not 1952. It's 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm more bullish on the verticals, on the specialists than I am on the generalists. And strangely enough, you actually operate a vertical. So I guess that's a good match, right? You're bullish on what you do. There's absolutely no bias whatsoever. (laughs) And if you believe that, I've got some beautiful land to sell you in Florida. Yeah, right. Well, let us leave that where it is and go on to our (laughs) guest, Lee Biggins of CV Library. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on to Job Board Geek today. Uh, Thanks for having me, Jeff. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm glad you're here. And I was just wondering for the people here in the in the non-UK audience that might not know you and know your company as well, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you came from and what CV Library and all the associated sites that you guys have, what you're all about? Sure. No, of course. Happy to do that. Well, for starters, in the US, we'd be more recognized as Resume Library. Right. Um, and in Ireland, uh, again, cvlibrary.ie, and then uh, we have a huge network of sites which um, really are there to drive traffic rather than uh, service recruiters. But um, fairly uh, humble beginnings, I'd like to think, if I'm allowed to say so myself. I was um, very entrepreneurial at school, uh, various different initiatives like selling cold cans of drinks to fishermen, like mini car washing empire for all my neighbourhoods. But safe to say, I wasn't particularly head down and a grafter at school. I always wanted to just run my own company and earn, earn money. Um, for that, I left school and went to work for my dad. And he cracked the whip pretty hard on me, fitting carpets <laughs> and flooring for um, for the best part of, sort of six or seven years. M- multiple things, working for my father and some family things you know, in the end, I wanted to go out and do my own thing. And there was a the right time to do it. And um, I put a CV together and just thought, well, you know, this this isn't going to be as straightforward as I first thought, going to find a job in an office or wherever it was. I'd have to send my CV all over the place and look, you know, for jobs in the back of newspapers. And anyway, I, the internet had just kicked off. Martha Lane Fox had just floated lastminute.com. And, you know, I just came up with the idea if I started a website where you put your CV or resume on and everyone would come and find you. So 850 pound later on a, you know, a Hewlett Packard and the internet startup Bible and then down the pub, as we call it in England, to uh, find a, an old mate that had started up a car enthusiast website and uh, CV Library was born. You know, like I didn't really have any qualifications for the role of, you know, running a company or building a company or the internet, but no one else did either. Either. The internet was new to everyone. We were idea conceived in 99 and launched in 2000. And, uh, you know, we learned very quickly. We kept up with the bigger players. We just borrowed £9,000 to start the business. Yeah, here we are today, you know, closer to $60 million turnover and uh, very, very profitable and, you know, enjoying a lot of the success from 20 something years of really hard work. I, I guess. Um, you know, it's not been a straightforward journey, as many of you know. It was it was certainly easier in the first 10 years than the back 10. Mm-hmm. Um, with various challenges, obviously the recession, which we came through very well. 
But, you know, some of the things you, you actually were just touching on earlier, like the horizontals, I mean, you know, first of all, things started to go mobile and then the social networks came along and we had to adapt to those. But interestingly enough, just reflecting on it from a candidate journey, which obviously we've always done and built the business from trying to satisfy our job seekers and the user and, of course, the great customer service we offer our recruiters. But, you know, if I think about the way you apply for a job on CV library or resume library now and how you first did in 2000, there's really no difference. You you come and search for the job you, you want. You might get there through a jobs by email or an alert. Of course, we've been, all improved our matching algorithms versus profiles, etc. But you all still click on the apply button. The only difference is back then is we would just send the application straight into the recruitment. Now, unfortunately, we have hundreds of hurdles to jump through, ATS integrations mm-hmm. to try and streamline that. And uh, it's not us that's changed. The industry has changed around us. We had it so simple, so easy to start with in terms of the process and the user experience. There wasn't really any way to improve that. But now we're having to, to do quite a lot. Yeah, I think that's interesting that... Um... Um, there's there's been a focus as long as I've been in the industry and I've, I've been in, I hate to say it, even longer than you have, but there's always been this focus on the HR side of trying to automate things. Um, mm. But when the automation comes in, it tends to complicate things. Like you said, you know, you start out and it's very simple, it's very straightforward, and then you throw in an ATS. And then you say, well, if we've got an ATS, maybe we should add this and this and this and this. And 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 one day you're sitting there saying, my God, it takes someone 45 minutes to apply for a job, which is which is nuts. So I, I, I think it is interesting when you have the industry sort of grow up around you. Yeah, and there's certainly uh, lots of talk about the C, death of the CV and things like that. But people like ourselves have produced um, a CV builder recently for those that don't have CVs or in jobs that sit with outside where you'd normally have a resume or a CV so you can build that and distribute it really quickly. And that helps with some of these ATSs because back in the day, you might have been able to just say, send a profile so to speak and now they want everything under the sun and we can index some of those questions the ats asks so the mm-hmm. candidate doesn't have to keep filling them out when we do repeat applications to those those particular ats's and things you're quite right a lot of these things are really just diluting the process and i really hope that recruiters you know especially in the enterprise world will start to realize actually now it's a, a much more competitive market to take on candidates that they need to adapt and do things quite quickly. 10-page forms aren't, aren't going to suffice. And people are even, you know, video interviewing technology has a place and it's, it's certainly helpful, but candidates then having to record videos and recruits then having to watch them and video CVs and things, I think, I think overcomplicates just trying to d- discover whether a candidate is right for the role in the first instance or not. One of the things, Lee, that's that's always really impressed me about you know you personally and your company more generally is is your. It, it seems from my perspective that you've always had this um, embracement of adaptation. That when the industry changes around you, when legislation changes, you adapt to it. You don't you don't try to pretend in 2022 that the world is the same as it was in 2000. I've seen job boards, marketplaces, 
call them what you wish, come and go, where they initially have a fair amount of success, something significant changes outside of their company. They refuse or are unable to adapt and their business just sort of slowly dwindles away. It's rare. I can't think of an example where a really successful business just sort of went out of business overnight because of some external force, but it seems like it's like a death by a thousand paper cuts. Um, Monster is a good example. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, you can't look at, you can't look at monster in 2022 and say it's significantly different than 2021 or 2021 to 2020. But if you look back to 2000, right, they were the monster. Um, and, and, you know, they're still a significant player. I think people underestimate, um, their, their market presence and how many candidates they help find employment a year, et cetera, but it is a, a shadow of its of its former self. With you being in the UK and so much of your business being in the UK, you've had more than your fair share of uh, of hurdles and external obstacles to overcome in the last couple of years. Talk with us about how you've approached adapting your business model with um, in light of GDPR, you know, when you knew that was coming and what the impact of that would be. And even just for the benefit of the, of the listeners in you know, Asia, for example, that might not know what a GDPR is, maybe you can explain that. And then also kind of on top of that, then you had the, 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 the pleasure of, of Brexit. And, and the impact that that had too. Yeah. So if you talk, talk with us about the, the GDPR and, and Brexit adaptations that you had to make. Yeah, there are obviously there's a, a few things there and uh, you're absolutely right. So adapt or die. I think thankfully we're still a very agile business. We are a smaller business and we are able to adapt. And I think it's going to be very interesting longer term to see um, some of those key players like LinkedIn and indeed when their businesses are as old as Monster and Career Builder, actually whether they'll be capable of adapting too. And obviously they've set the scene for how the job board world should operate and we have to follow those organizations and and we do so and some of it's really challenging i mean programmatic is hugely challenging at the moment and you talk about how we you know have to adapt our commercial model and bringing in pay for performance and then truly programmatic and there are discussions that i have um meetings about every day and you know Layer on top on that, you know, how quickly jobs are changing in the candidate experience. And I I will Mm. answer your questions in a second, but just looking at how many feeds we have to process and how quickly we have to process them these days. I mean, Amazon could send us 30,000 jobs in the morning. By lunchtime, 5,000 of those jobs could be could be taken down or um, expired because they've hit the number of, you know, number of applications they put out to the programmatic market. They could have changed their bid. They could have changed their job titles. It's just an awful lot to keep up with from the 28-day listing, which you knew was a safe bet. You know, one cost to it some years ago. And that's moved very quickly. In terms of GDPR, I have to say um, I'm not a GDPR specialist and I'd be very careful about what advice I'd give and, <laughs> and what I say about it. We invested, uh, you know, a considerable amount in it. Things like opt-ins changed quite a little bit so you weren't able to automatically opt-in to people. So that was the main fundamental changes. And for us, particularly where it really hurt us was actually training. We used to do a lot of online, uh, offer a lot of online training courses and things like that. And that in the UK is is that now actually not part of your services seen as an effectively paid advertising or something like that. So, you know, unless you opt people into those things, you you have to stop them. And we were sending out, you know, tens of millions of emails a month and making hundreds of thousands of revenue off those. That that's an that's a revenue stream that went overnight. People like Reed have adapted to that in the UK very well, but as it wasn't our core business, it was better to let it go. We've never we've never bought 
data lists from a candidate perspective and a job seeker perspective or anything like that. So we didn't really have to change our behavior in the way we were emailing people. We did have a few instances where we had advertised a feed of jobs via LinkedIn and that journey had tripped up because we then sent a candidate a job alert. They hadn't opted into it. There was a few things that caught us out, but we, we caught 95% of things pretty quickly. And to be honest with you, reacting to the feedback of reasonable candidates um, was all well received and, and wasn't difficult. Unfortunately, there was a few serial, a few serial, I uh, forget the word now, a few serial people out there that knew the law very well and they were actually deliberately targeting the, mm-hmm. the job boards to try and um, get money out of us by deliberately signing up for certain journeys and then coming to us demanding effectively ransoms to which I certainly didn't pay any of them. And we actually went to court with one fellow, which took over a year and a half for him and he got about £150 and total waste of their time. But I wasn't going to submit to it because we knew we'd have another 50 more had we done that. Unfortunately, the bigger businesses would have just paid them off and that would have just driven more of that. But yeah, the, the GDPR thing we came through pretty quickly. Obviously, we've got uh, CCPN stuff to deal with in America, but I think that's become much easier than it was. The ATSs obviously have had a little bit more heavy lifting because as recruits have ownership through them of that data, you have to be a little bit more careful. Also, on a CV, there isn't too much. Um, we had to do things like remove anyone that puts sort of religious beliefs or political beliefs or anything mm-hmm. like that had to be stripped out. So we had to build some parcel technology for that kind of thing, but that was pretty straightforward. In terms of Brexit, well, that... Um, I mean, that obviously completely stagnated growth in the UK for three or four years and was a very painful experience. And I'd say probably my most stressful time watching the media and truly watching our politicians completely mess it up. And the exodus it caused of the lower level workers, uh, the blue collar workers and stuff. We had a lot of Europeans doing a lot of jobs, quite frankly, the, the British are too lazy to do. And that's, I think, on top of the pandemic, caused this huge spur of need for to, to, to find people to fill these roles. I mean, we have a lot of hospitality organisations and other organisations we weren't particularly strong in that used to put adverts in the window and they'd have like 30 people to walk in for one job. They can't get a single person. So actually, the longer term, I think it has benefited us. Politically, do I think Brexit is the right thing for for the UK? In some regard, yes. I do think we've lost a little bit of our identity and we need to claim some of that back. I think we need to to wait much longer to actually see whether it was the right move or not. Um, I think when you see some of these getting a little bit off peace now but if you look at some of the things going on with China and Russia and would we be better off as a <laughs> as a group with Europe and everything possibly one of the things that you do that I I assume it must be effective because you've been doing it the whole time I've been watching the site is that you guys put out a steady stream of press releases about what's going on with the labor force. And you obviously do a lot of uh, surveys and research, and then you're always in there talking about this and that. And I see it continually getting picked up in all the HR media that I follow. I I probably follow 50, 60 feeds. I'm just curious, how did that get started? Is it successful? Is that why you keep doing it? What's your advice for job boards that aren't doing it? Sure. Look, that's a a really good question. And um, not one I've had to answer before. So I'll give it my best. And full transparency from me, as you'd always expect. So no, we've always been hot on the PR front and I've always seen the value of the brand, you know, appearing appearing publicly in the press. Um, we were doing really, really well with press and actually a lot of it was around, would you take the dog to work and all of these things? And, mm-hmm. you know, I really 
wanted us to, the press love that kind of thing. I, we tried to move away to that to be more educational PR and running. I was actually in the early days very shut down about asking our database anything other than, do you want to apply for this job? I just saw anything as a distraction. But, you know, it was demonstrated to me that if we put out polls in the right manner and we used our audiences to try and educate the public, then there is value in that. So, so that's what we did and we have a very talented um, individual you know and a press team and we do we do put out a lot and it does get very well received and picked up so thank you for that measuring the true value of that well that's a good question as a business that's trying to measure measure absolutely everything now and like other businesses we brought bi tools in and we have heads of data and we're crunching huge amounts of data i thought we we're always a data business but actually yeah, i'm pretty shocked at how we really weren't a data business and we're now trying to become one and trying to be led um, by the data and everything we do. The truth is trying to measure how many people read and react to what is still quite an old school media, even if it's a digital old school media and someone reads it on the Daily Mail versus reads it, you know, actually in the Times, um, it, it is quite difficult. But if I'm honest, for what it costs us to run that data and produce that data and, and, and filled it out, I think people will be pleasantly surprised. And don't do PR for the sake of doing PR. Don't put stuff out just because, you know, you want to say that you've got into five magazines and do it for the sake of it. Do it because there is a wider goal. And our goal has become, you know, seen as an educator for both job seekers and recruiters and, and, and an authority in that area. You know, we just want to give, you know, we, we don't just put that stuff out as PR. We actually use that to help design our products. And some of it comes from product discovery. And, you know, a lot, a lot of it's fed back into what recruiters should be doing and reacting when they're using our service. And a spread of um, value that is, is sometimes quite hard to determine all of it. And Stephen actually does the same thing with college recruiter. They, they're very active in pushing out information about their audience and, and sort of taking the position of thought leaders. I, th I always encourage my clients, if they can, to do this sort of work because the, the first thing it does is it raises awareness. People are mm -hmm. going to say, oh yeah, Lee Biggins, CV library. I remember that. That's the first part of the battle in terms of sales when you're working with agencies and employers. And then mm -hmm. the second part is, like you were saying, you actually actually are able to, to a certain degree, guide the conversation and get focus on things that you think are important or that might be important for your audience. I just think, you know, it's, it's a great, it's a great model. And uh, so kudos to you guys. Thanks. Yeah. There is also a wider SEO value, which we need to tap into much more, which would be of huge value to any job board out there. Well, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned that, Lee, because one of the reasons that we got into producing a lot of content was SEO. Mm -hmm. Actually, way back, probably early 2000s, um, we had a SEO consultant by the, by the name of Joel Cheeseman um, when he was still writing the Cheesehead blog. And he really set us on the right course and just write content that people actually will value. Don't mm -hmm. write content that you think is just going to get you to the top of the listings of Google. That's it's a recipe for disaster. But when we publish content, we're very deliberative of who the audience is and what our cost is. And it's not an ego stroke. It's 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 not about you know making somebody feel good or important. It's it's about getting that audience, the employer, the candidate, whoever it might be, to be more aware of us. Maybe take some action. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. Well, well, listen, Lee, I I appreciate you uh, spending some time with us today. It's been it's been great chatting with you. I wanted to ask you if people want to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch with you? Probably the easiest way is just for look, look for Lee Begins on LinkedIn. 
There's not many Lee Biggins out there, thankfully. Um, I'm, I'm pretty good at keeping an eye on that. And I'll, uh, I'll be happy to get back to them. Uh, if if not, find one of the other channels. It'll, it'll, it'll come through to me, no doubt. Stephen, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you? Well, they can, they can find me um, here in Elephant Butte, New Mexico. Uh, Butte, B-U-T-T-E. I've been dropping the E um, and calling it Elephant Butt. But that's another story for another day. Um, or better yet, uh, email me, Stephen <laughs> at collegerecruiter.com. Lee, it is such a pleasure to see you again. You too. And uh, hopefully we'll get to see each other in person this year. Hell yeah. That would be great. That would be great. And you too, Jeff. Folks, that is it for today's episode of Job Board Geek. Please be sure to subscribe and review us if you want to on any of your favorite podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, et cetera, et cetera. My name is Jeff Dickey Chasens. I'm the Job Board Doctor, and you've been listening to the only podcast about the business of connecting candidates and employers. That is all for now, and we will see you again not too long from now. Bye. Bye.